Welcome to AgriBite, EU leading the path to net zero, brought to you by the Climate Bonds Initiative. In this podcast series, we explore the transition of the agri-food sector towards net zero emissions, and we aim to shed the light on the industry and neighbors to combat climate change. Our scope is to uncover how large companies are shaping the sustainable, resilient, and green food supply chain by showcasing the initiatives of leading food producers. For each episode, we will examine the initiatives and strategies of a specific agri-food company assessing their contribution to the European Union's 2050s climate neutrality goal. Our exploration will include the role of technology innovation, circular economy practices, and the promotion of healthy and environmentally friendly products. I am your host, Maria Alejandra Pulido, Sustainable Agri-Lead for the EU, here at Climate Once. Please welcome Esteban Mesano, who is the General Council of Operations and Sustainability at Nestlé. Esteban, welcome to AgriBite. Thank you, Maria Alejandra. Very happy to be here. It's a pleasure to have you here with us. So let's start talking more about Nestlé. Who is Nestlé? Well, I think Nestle doesn't need much in introduction. It's a very well-known company. We have presence of more than 185 countries around the world. We like to say that we are the number one uh, food and beverage company in the world in terms of sales. We have a huge uh, presence. Um, we have over two, 2,000 brands um, and we have more than 150 years of history. Thank you, Stephen. Following that, I would like to ask you, what is Nestlé understanding of being 1.5 aligned and how is this reflected on your business model? Yes, so sustainability, uh, let's talk about sustainability be before talking about 1.5 degrees. Uh, this is not uh, a new topic for, for Nestlé. We we kind of like, a, we were the creators of, of, of this concept of creating shared value in the 90s. Uh, very early on, as a company, we understood that uh, it's not about maximi maximizing the value of the shareholder only uh, doing, by doing business. It is about also creating the conditions for, uh, for, for uh, our business partners, our communities, to also uh, receive benefit of our operations and our business. That is behind the concept of creating shared value. So the concept is, is not new, but of course, in the last five years or so, the, the sustainability or ESG has been uh, uh, developed dramatically. Uh, and, and this is a, a, a really a fast uh, moving uh, landscape. We we started uh, co concretely on the topic of 1.5 degrees uh, in in with the SBTI commitment in in the year 2020. Um, this was the the most I would say important commitment that you could take as as a company uh, and the most serious one, and, and then we jumped into it. And the commitment that we took there is to achieve a net zero uh, greenhouse gas emissions by by 2050. Uh, of course, with a, a very clear plan and an intermediate uh, roadmaps. But what is more interesting is, I, in my opinion, is 
the evolution of, of that concept uh, along the, the recent years. Um, if you allow me to go back a little bit, uh, back in, in five years ago, uh, sustainability and these topics were part of only one function or, or a couple of functions in, in the company. What is now uh, very impressive to see is that sustainability is everywhere in the company. Uh, myself, I am a lawyer. Uh, I'm an Argentinian lawyer then, uh, and I'm living uh, in Switzerland since 12 years and, and, and working in the headquarters of, of Nestle. Uh, and, and yes, I mean, you could think what legal has to do with, with sustainability. Well, now there is no a single function in the company that is not fully engaged and involved in a day-to-day -day basis with, with sustainability and also with, with uh, climate. So that's a very interesting first trend. The, the second trend, yes, uh, SBTI was uh, the, the initial commitment. Um, and now you see more and more legislations mandating companies to have roadmaps uh, in, in order to tackle the issues, the, 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 your carbon footprint. So what started voluntarily, now we are seeing it uh, have, have also evolving as a, as a mandatory element. But um, in, at Nestle, we don't see it uh, like a mandatory topic. We see it as the only way to do business in the future. That's why sustainability for us is part of our business model. So the costs uh, that we have uh, for sustainability are not actually costs, are investments, uh, and, and is the only way to, to, to go. So that's uh, a very interesting second trend. And the last one that I will mention is that um, we started talking about carbon, and, and your question was about 1.5 degrees, and, and, and that led to carbon. But very soon we understood that carbon is not the, the only element here. Um, we have a broader scope beyond carbon, and that's why we like the concept of ESG, because it touches uh, all the different dimensions. The social dimension is very important in, in this discussion. Biodiversity, water, regenerative agriculture. So that's, that's why we moved uh, from, in the beginning, we were kind of like obsessed by carbon. Now we have a, a, a broader scope, which I think is a, is a more um, realistic and effective uh, because we are dealing with systems. Okay, well, that actually brings me on to my next point. How is Nestle engaging in the value chain and how are you working on indirect and direct suppliers? Yeah, so as you can imagine, uh, with the presence in 185 countries, we have a very vast and large uh, value chain. And, and we have many, many products in different line, lines of, of business. We do have direct and indirect uh, suppliers. Uh, interestingly, we have a direct relationship with around 500,000 farmers, uh, which that is, is very impressive uh, because um, 
not only for the number of farmers, but also also because we're dealing with a lot of small uh, business and, and, and entrepreneurs that creates a, a very uh, complex scenario. But that is also an opportunity for us um, because dealing directly with farmers allow us to um, promote our concept of regenerative uh, agriculture. I can go deeper in some examples, um, but that's a very interesting piece of, of Nestle. Um, in coffee, for instance, um, we are doing trainings directly to farmers and we train already 125,000 farmers on regenerative practices. And we do have a specific focus on women and, and, and young uh, people and uh, young entrepreneurs because that's the future of, of the supply chain. So that's an interesting piece of Nestle, our direct relationship with, um, with farmers. Um, of course, we do have a very large number of suppliers uh, and through them, we also reach uh, farmers. Um, suppliers are, are key to, to us, uh, talking about 1.5 degree agenda and the sustainability agenda. Uh, the, our supply, uh, our base of suppliers is key for our strategy. For instance, of our baseline on, in carbon footprint, 95% of, of, of that uh, carbon footprint is coming from the scope three, uh, which basically are our uh, suppliers in, in, in most, in most of the, the, the cases. So that's one example why we need to work collaboratively with suppliers. Um, another topic is on human rights and, 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 and you know that uh, now uh, we receive more and more mandates uh, of due diligence, mandatory due diligence on human rights and, and the impact that we have in, in the environment and, and human rights. And, and there too, we need suppliers. Um, and we are amending our agreements to, to, to tackle that point. And of course, in the topic of regenerative agriculture, uh, we need also to embark suppliers to it. And, and we, in that specific uh, topic, regenerative agriculture, we have a commitment that we need to uh, supply, uh, supply our key ingredients by 20% under regenerative practices by 2025. So that is really a huge endeavor. And, and we are very happy to work with suppliers on this. Given this commitment, how is Nestlé transitioning in, in its agri-food-related activities to align with resilient and net-zero transition pathways, specifically? Yeah, so um, regenerative agriculture for us is a, a, a key concept that, that allowed that transition uh, in, in the 1.5 degree pathway. And the way... Uh, I think uh, the interesting way of regenerative agriculture is that it is dealing with that system or that holistic concept. For, that, for us, regenerative agriculture is opposed to the conventional way of farming that, 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 that we are seeing so far. 
And the new way of farming is a, is a way of farming that takes in consideration the two main elements. One, the productivity, the farm, the farm productivity. And second, the restoration of the farm land at the same time. The, when we're talking about restoration of the farmland, of course, there are three components of, of the farmland, which are soil, biodiversity, and water. Um, how we uh, improve those elements that will depend on, on, on the different geographies, the different type of uh, su supply or, or, or ingredients or commodities. But this is the concept that we would like to, to promote. Being a, a, a food company, we rely a lot of ingredients. And 71% of Nestle emissions are dependent from ingredients, where, of course, agriculture represents uh, uh, the major part of it. So our work with farmers, directly, as I explained, or also indirectly through our suppliers, is, is key. And we have uh, many ways uh, to promote that regenerative agriculture to, to, to farmers. Uh, but basically, we use uh, our agreements, we use our relationship uh, to promote this new practice. Now, uh, considering what you were mentioning before in terms of due diligence and how there are new policies and regulations that are aimed to establish those mandatory commitments. I would like to ask you how is Nestle planning to work on the requirements of the EUDR and the CSSDD? Do you think that these are beneficial for the sustainability in terms of driving supply chain transparency? Yes, the short answer is yes, we see it uh, as, a, as a beneficial, this new legislation, uh, because I think for the most part, is bringing transparency and is bringing a standardized, high-level playing field of, of practices around ESG. Uh, so we, 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 we see that with positive uh, eyes. Of course, it will, um, it, it will produce a, a, a lot of work for everyone, um, but this is the, the, the way to, to go. I think what is key is also to see how this new regulation will be implemented, um, considering small and, and medium uh, companies. And, and of course, we need to help them, but the public sector, the government, is also in the uh, responsible to to help that that transition. We are doing our part, um, and we support that uh, new legislation. What is important for us in this new legislation is that uh, it doesn't need to be or, or should not be a, a tick the box exercise. Uh, it should allow companies to um, to focus on flexible reporting, uh, focusing on what is more material for for them, because you you cannot have one size fit all type of regulation. So you need to trust in in the material in a good materiality exercise of of companies, 
But at the same time, I think that, that standardization is uh, important in, in order to bring, to bring clarity uh, and transparency uh, across the different uh, actors. We are dealing against the risk of greenwashing, which, which is a, 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 you know, a very nasty risk to have because it, it can harm uh, efforts or genuine efforts of, of the company. So we are fighting against that. And I think all these legislations are good tools to, to fight against uh, greenwashing. What is important also from a practical point of view is that the companies receive clear guidance uh, and, and useful tips on how to do these changes because sometimes the regulation is not so clear uh, and, and, and then it can be confusing, it can be daunting for, for, for companies to, to try to comply. So we need the help from the regulator on clear guidance and also standardize across geographies because uh, in sustainability, we are dealing with global supply chains, global issues like climate change, pollution, etc. So we need to have a consistent global standard as well with mutual recognition. So the, the, the companies that have presence in different countries, they don't need to do a patchwork of disclosures or due diligence with different standards in, in different countries. That will be too messy and, and, and it will put the effort on things which are more formal than, than real and we don't have time to waste or resources to waste. We need to channel those resources and times to things that it that matters. I'm glad that you had mentioned this because I would like to ask you how can different stakeholders support smallholders in the lower income countries in meeting the necessary requirements? I think the one way to um, to help smallholders to meet these requirements is uh, working collaboratively through the value chain. And, and, and big companies or, or multinationals can, can be uh, helpful for, for that. Um, we are trying to, to walk along that journey with our suppliers um, through transition plans, through support on, on know-how, um, and, and also understanding the why, why this, why this is important for them why this is not just a, a, a formal compliance thing, why this is part of the future bis business uh, uh, plan or, or sustainability of the business of, of that company. So I think it's important to explain the why and, and this is what, what we are doing. But also, of course, um, we need the participation of governments. And, and here um, we are, you know, happy to see that more and more governments are stopping subsidies to oil and gas and, 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 and businesses that, that are not green and they are channeling those resources to new practices. I think there is a huge opportunity for business in, in, in the green economy, in the circular economy, uh, 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 but we still have a, a lot of, of work to do, both from the public and the private sector. 
Thank you for sharing that, Aseon. Um, I would like to move forward to the next point that I would like to discuss with you. And it regards what steps has Nestle taken to finance the transition towards sustainability, especially through the green finance and how has the company benefited from such financial initiatives? So for us, as I explained, um, sustainability is kind of like a part of our business is embedded into, into the business. Um, so the way we support that green transition is by our normal way of doing, of doing business. Um, we have, um, of course, uh, a, a huge um, a landscape of, of suppliers and, and, and the solutions are, are different, but uh, mainly we use our agreements um, to promote uh, and, and support new uh, green uh, practices. The, um, I have one interesting example for you. Uh, I love that example because it touches uh, every point of, of, of a holistic of the holistic approach that, that we would like to pursue in, in sustainability. And this is the Income Accelerator Program, um, which is a, 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 an effort that we started in, in Ivory Coast uh, and, and soon to be expanded to, to other countries. And basically it's trying to help um, and, and to promote these practices in the supply chain of cocoa uh, coming from from Ivory Coast, uh, in that through that program, we are paying uh, premiums our in, uh, to 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 farmers uh, for different uh, incentives or, or or targets. The first premium is uh, about the school enrollment. So if the household the farmer is sending their children to school, they receive a premium. That's a way to tackle the root cause of child labor because if one child that is in school is is not at work, so that's 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 a um, that's that's the goal of of that uh, incentive or premium. The second premium is dealing with agricultural practices like uh, uh, by pruning um, or or intercropping, um, and and that's the 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 basically at the heart of, of our concept of regenerative agriculture, how we can improve the yields of, of, of that uh, commodity through best practices, pro protecting the soil, the water, and the biodiversity of, of, the, of the farmland. And then um, another premium, uh, uh, believe it or not, <clears throat> which is dealing with uh, promoting diversified income. So we don't want the farmers only to sell cocoa to us. We, we want to improve the livelihoods and the income uh, of the farmers. And, and therefore, it is important for the farmer to also invest in some other ac activities. And, and, we, and if they diversify activities, we give them an, another uh, premium. Um, all of that... Um, through direct payments, uh, through digital means, mobile mobile phone, directly to the farmers, no intermediaries. 
And also an interesting feature is that 50% of that premium goes to the male and the 50% to the female house, household. So that is also uh, empowering women uh, and, and creating diversity. So as, as you can see, it is a very interesting and, and very, uh, I would say, um, complete initiative that, that touches many aspects. And this is a good example of how we see things uh, at Nestle in terms of holistic approach of sustainability. Esteban, in such a context of uh, green finance, and considering that agriculture activities might work as a net polluter or negative emitter, and of course, uh, potentially generate carbon credits, what is Nestle approach to the carbon offset market? Yes, uh, and this is related to back to your question of, of green uh, uh, finance. We believe that um, that we are in the beginning of an of a, a very powerful um, tool, which is the green finance, which is bringing resources to projects uh, that that need those resources to to happen. Um, most of them. Uh, you know, in, in agricultural sectors, particularly in the global south, that they lack of those resources. So we see uh, the green finance, green bonds, uh, the voluntary carbon markets uh, as a very important tool to, to, to provide that financing. I think we are um, in the, in basically in the beginning of, of, of a, of a, big and important uh, movement. Uh, I referred to to greenwashing um, before. Um, I think uh, there is a, right now a lack of uh, first understanding uh, and second lack of credibility of many of these tools, which is important to tackle because uh, we cannot waste any uh, bullet in the fight of climate change. And this is more than a bullet. This is a, a really an important weapon uh, that, that can uh, materialize uh, the, the efforts that, that we need to do in, in, in climate change. So we need a strong and mature uh, market, voluntary carb carbon market uh, of offsets uh, and, and also green bonds. Um, but we need to create the right framework for it. Uh, and I think um, we are seeing uh, positively um, developments both from the public, from re the regulators, but also the, uh, the private sectors, standard setters that are creating those rules uh, to build that credibility in those markets. Uh, Nestle is um, a little bit um, waiting and see, but also trying to advocate for those those rules in order to to jump into into this uh, market. Um, this is somehow related to, to the point that we should not be obsessed with carbon and and, and the green transition is more than carbon. Um, for us, uh, we started, uh, for instance, uh, you know, very interested in carbon neutrality claims. Now we are less interested in, into that because we believe there are other ways uh, more holistic to contribute uh, uh, to, to the topic. 
And that's why for us, regenerative agriculture and this holistic um, approach the, dealing with the, the productivity of the farm, the biodiversity, the soil, the water, is, is our way to contribute as a, as, a, as a company, as a food company. Uh, and, and, and this is where we are putting our energy. Uh, but we are seeing this uh, green market in, in bonds, in the, in the voluntary carbon market, also with interest, because we, we see the potential of it. I'm glad that you have mentioned this, Esteban, and I'm wondering what does regenerative agriculture means for Nestle? Because you have been repeatedly uh, mentioning it as an innovative approach of the company. So if you can give us more details, that would be wonderful. Yes. So regenerative agriculture uh, uh, for us is what, what I mentioned to you is not a certification. It's not, it's not like a organic or any certification is it's a new approach opposed to conventional uh, farming and and that new approach is considering both the farmer at the center the productivity of the farm the, the livelihood of that, that that farmer plus the the health of the farmland the the health of the soil the the biodiversity and the water of that uh, of that um, land the broader concept if there is regeneration and 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 moving to to a, a circular economy that 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 regeneration is the is uh is is not only a nestle concept it's a concept that many other companies are pursuing which is great because uh, we are dealing with a system this is something that not a single company can transform We need all the actors of the of, of, of the system to to jump into this new way of of farming, uh, and and that's why we are seeing. Uh, we are very happy to see that suppliers, competitors, and, and farmers are understanding uh, that if we continue with the conventional way of farming, we will not have um, soil. We will not have food. Uh, any longer so we need to transform the the way we farm nestle being the number uh, one food and beverage company uh, of, of course is fully committed into into the concept and, and this is a concept that is a journey you cannot change it overnight uh, you need you need to develop the practices along 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 the way and again each practice will depend on each type of commodities and, and ge each geography or each farm. Um, but this is more a mindset. Uh, and But again, not empty words um, because we are promoting those new practices through our agreements. And, and, and the best way to help a farmer is to secure business to them, to buy from them, and also to incentivize and to help them to to to, to go to that uh, new transition. Following that point, how Nestlé supports farmers through the transition to a regenerative food system? Can you give me maybe an an example? Yes, um, I mentioned the, the the income accelerator program. This is this is one example in the in the cocoa supply chain. 
that where, where we are paying uh, on top of the normal payment uh, to, to, to the supply, we're, we're giving a premium for those farmers that are uh, uh, basically changing their, their uh, way uh, to, to farm uh, cocoa. So if they intercrop, uh, if they prune, uh, if, if, if they protect their, their, their soil, uh, this is in their benefit, but also in our benefit because it's, it's improving, improving yields. So this is the best practice that we are promoting concretely with a premium, with a payment uh, to, to them. Another way to, to help them is through um, technical support and, and, and training. And I mentioned that, for instance, in cocoa, in coffee, sorry, uh, 100, uh, uh, plus than 100 farmers are receiving trainings in, in coffee, in regenerative practices. Um, we do have a, a, an army of, of um, uh, professionals in the agricultural sector that we're visiting farms and we are providing them the know-how and, and the technical support uh, to, to that change. Uh, so, yes, it, it may seem um, small, but we have 500,000 farmers uh, where we are buying directly from. So this is our way to contribute. Uh, and, and we hope that uh, the whole system will change with the participation of other companies, other suppliers, uh, and, 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 of course, the participation of the public sector. Uh, this is a, a long haul um, effort, but this is the only effort uh, that is necessary not only to, um, to try to <clears throat> keep to 1.5 degrees, but also uh, to provide food security for, for the soon 10 billion people in our planet. Technology can support minimizing the carbon footprint and promoting sustainable development. How does Nestlé use digital solutions to facilitate the sustainable transformation of the agri-food industry? Technology it's, uh, is the other important uh, a key uh, tool that, that, that we have to, to promote, support and accelerate the transition. We mentioned uh, green finance, uh, technology is the other one. We are um, seeing a, a, an incredible fast evolution on how technology can uh, support that transition. Um, first of all, the, we are developing, I mean, not, not Nestle, but the, the, the whole industry are developing tools to measure, monitor, and, and, and report on, on these new practices. So these new, new practices, the, one of the challenges of regenerative agriculture is, is not only how to define it, but how to measure it and how to basically uh, report progress. So more and more we are developing those tools that allow us to uh, know exactly the, the improvement of our soil, water, and, and biodiversity. That's one important element of technology. Also, technology is helping us to 
identify the source of that ingredient, uh, but mainly through blockchain. That's a very important point, the traceability and, and the identification of the source of, of that commodity, because that will allow us to um, measure the impact or assess the risk involved in, in that commodity, not only from the environmental point of view, but also from the human rights point of view. So that's an, another important uh, element of, of technology. Of course, artificial intelligence will will help us to, to maybe uh, create uh, more efficient supply chains uh, and optimizing uh, and reducing the environmental impact of our supply chains. So that's very promising. Uh, and on top of that, uh, there are technologies that are being developed to, to remove carbon from the atmosphere that, that, that could be promising as well. So. Um, I'm not an expert in, in, in technology and digital, but I, what I can experience from my work at Nestle is that more and more IT, the, the IT department is a key partner of, of our ESG uh, strategies. Uh, and, and as I mentioned in the beginning, not a single function is uh, left out of the sustainability journey. Well, the IT teams are fully embedded and it's incredible to see uh, how dynamic is the, the space in, in, in IT and technology related to ESG. Esteban, I want to thank you for all your insights and talks during this very special episode edition. It was a very interesting conversation. Thank you, Maria Alejandra. Thank you for inviting. It was The pleasure was was Esteban Mesano of Nestlé with his talks and insights on how the company is driving into net zero. Make sure you subscribe to the AfriWide podcast series, look out for it, and do check out for the other episodes as well via our website, climatebondsinitiative.net, or by searching Climate Bonds Initiative on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any major podcast platform. We're also on Climate Bonds on social media. Thank you once again, and take care. The information contained on this page does not constitute investment advice in any form or any invitation to inducement to engage in investment activity and the Climate Bonds Initiative is not an investment advisor. Any reference to a financial organisation or debt instrument or investment product is for information purposes only. Links to external websites are also for information purposes only. As a result, the listener should be aware that the firm may have a conflict of interest that could affect the objectivity of this podcast. <laughs>